You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. It's Monday, October the 11th. I'm in Lexington, Kentucky, where it is still uh, the early morning, trying to catch up with what's going on uh, across the other side of the pond. And uh, everything's happening, it seems, in the UK, particularly as regards Kipco British Champions Day and the lead up to it. Um, The most significant news this morning, 14 in the Champion Stakes, 10 in the Queen Elizabeth II. Absentees, horses who won't be running, include Skeletti, last year's runner-up, in the British Champion Stakes, you'll hear from Jerome Rainier in a few moments' time. And as for the Queen Elizabeth II Stakes, this is the biggest news uh, of the day so far. Poetic flair at Jim Bolger's 2000 Guineas winner will not run in that race. The St James's Palace Stakes runaway winner as well. I posted a call to Jim just a few moments ago, and he said to me he just didn't want to run the horse again this season. I said, is he okay? He said, he's fitter than me or you, but I don't want to run him again this season. And I asked him whether he would go around again next year or whether he'd go to stud. And he said he wasn't sure at this stage, but he would call me back just as soon as he had further news. So that's what's happening as regards Poetic Flair. The other uh, uh, notable horse who won't be running on Saturday is Starman, who's been retired to Tally Ho Stud with a small injury. His owner, breeder David Ward, will be joining me very shortly. Before the Poetic Flair news broke this morning, but after the Starman news, I was able to catch up with uh, David Yates, newsboy from the Daily Mirror. And I began by saying to, to David that for once, the sun was set to shine on British Champions Day and we might get pretty good ground. It looks that way, doesn't it? It's, it's, the, the forecast is for sun on Saturday and until then, it's going to be dry and cloudy but yes i think that we can say that obviously the uh, since its inception 10 years ago i think the the sticking point with kipco british champions day has been its place in the calendar there have been discussions about how it might be moved i, I disagree with the 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 idea that it should be moved because it would mean disrupting european pattern but we won't go into that right now um but yeah it looks that way doesn't it after that inch of rain fell in Paris on Saturday night before the Qatar Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe and the the ground was, I think it was soft, heavy in places officially. It looks like we're going to have decent ground. I don't think we'll be using the inner track, uh, will we, this Saturday? We will not be using the inner track, I do not think, if, as Chris Stickles forecast on this podcast last week, the ground would be just on the easy side of good. And the other key point about the fact that the ground is on the easy side of good is that most of the horses we expect to be there will be there. Before we crack into the races, though, the latest news this morning is that the most high-profile sprinter trained in the UK, Starman, the July Cup winner, has already been retired. He was going to be clearly retired at the end of the season by the looks of it, but they brought that forward because of a, a minor injury. So he's off to Tally Ho Stud in Ireland. Well, just let's put a, uh, some meat on the bones here and chat to uh, Starman's owner and breeder, David Ward. Um, David, good morning, good afternoon to you. Um, 
I'd imagine mixed feelings for you today. Oh, good morning, Nick. Um, very mixed feelings, very mixed feelings. Um, tremendously disappointed he's not um, going to manage to take up his opportunity on Saturday, given the given the nice weather we're enduring over here at the moment. Um, and for him to, to bow out on a, what we would have hoped to have been a, a victory in a prestigious event. Um, but yeah, equally, equally pleased and thrilled that he's going to go off to stud and be a stallion and no better place than Tally Ho to, to home him. So um, yeah, mixed emotions, as you say. Uh, when he won the July Cup, was it always in your mind that, that the likelihood would be that he would end up at, at stud next year? Well, I think I think last year, knowing we got a good horse and he showed tremendous promise, was the sort of thought drift into your mind. And then this year, with him winning at York, and then as you say, the July Cup, then it becomes a reality. The phone phone was busy after his July Cup win with interested parties, so it gradually dawned on me that I'm going to not only be lucky enough to have a horse as fantastic as he was on the track but hopefully could be a stallion in the future so yes it was really after the July Cup that it started to make sense that ultimately one day he'd go off somewhere and be a stallion which is hugely exciting for us all obviously. I mean to what extent are you dictated to by the fact that with each passing run you're risking taking his value down if it doesn't all go to plan? Um, yeah, that comes into that comes into play. Um, but I think when you get to a certain standard that you got to fairly quickly, um, that you have to be mindful of that. But of course, for me, being an owner breeder and a, on the smaller operators in, in this game, it's an opportunity that you have to embrace and run your horse because this may never happen to us again. So it was very much one that we wanted to run in where we could. And, Covid hasn't helped. We you know, we did have plans to go to some international venues like the Everest and maybe the race in Hong Kong, um, but Covid put pay to that, and then gradually it dissolves down into well, when's he going to run next, and what could be his last race, and and then should he go off to stud while whilst he's performing at his peak, and that was the decision that we ultimately took, and hence the tally ho arrangement that was in place. Now for, for for a few weeks. All right. So the the, the decision was made to, to go to Tally Ho a few weeks ago. You were doubtless um, bowled over with offers from all sorts of different stallion stations um, around the UK, Ireland, and the world. Uh, what led you to choose Tally Ho to partner up with? Well, Tally Ho is somebody we know well. You know, I visited there previously. Uh, anyway, I, my first homebred was a Kodiak. Um, um, mating Sunday star, so which is actually Starman's half sister. So we, we, we know of them, we knew of them, they're a great family, they do a great job. And yes, there were other options, but ultimately, I think it was where it would be the best place for Starman to become a stallion, have the best opportunity to be a stallion. And I think they are head and shoulders above anybody, certainly in. in, in in the UK for, for for doing that for him, so they're thrilled to have him. You know, we're thrilled that he's going there. Um, so my next job was really to give him the best opportunity that he could possibly have to further his next career, and hopefully this is just that—the next chapter in the story of Starman for us all. And how exciting for us all to look forward to his offspring and breeding to him in the next over the next however many years. So so exciting. Owner breeder David Ward there on the retirement of Starman. 
Big news as regards the champion stakes emerged uh, yesterday on Racing TV's Luck on Sunday, which was being hosted by Rishi Passad with you in the guest's chair, David. Um, Charlie Appleby gave us news of Ad AR that I hadn't quite anticipated. What was that? There was strong market support for Ad AR for the champion stakes last Friday. I think he was back from 10 to 1 to 3 to 1 on uh, about in the first half of business on Friday. And when questions were put to Charlie Appleby at Newmarket on Friday, he, he just said, I doubt it. I doubt that we'll see ADR. But with 48 hours uh, further on, yeah, the, I, I think that in tabloidese, or indeed in journalese, I think we would say that the door is very much open. It looks like there's going to be decent ground. Uh, he said in the aftermath of ADR's fourth in the pre the triumph that, a, the ground had gone against the Derby winner, and also that in the future he wouldn't be scared of coming back to 10 furlongs with him. Well, there's a Group 1 race over 10 furlongs at Ascot on Saturday, the Kipco Champion Stakes. The trainer said, at this point, the line is, I say the line is, you know, no reason to disbelieve this, that at the moment I would look foolish if... I spoke to Sheikh Mohammed and he said, well, how's Adiar? And I said, well, he's fine, but I took him out of the champion states. So they've left him in pretty much as a precaution. But I'd be very, I, I think at the moment that's about 50-50. I may even think towards 60-40 in favour of seeing Adiar. He'd certainly be a very interesting, if unexpected, late runner in the champion states, seeing what he could do back 10 furlongs on decent ground. Coming back to 10, I think, would certainly uh, swing things back in Mishriff's favour, whether it would swing quite enough in order to, to see the John and Thady Gosden train cart win, I think is a moot point. Well, perhaps an even more exciting British Champions Day than, than normal for uh, last season's British Champion Stakes winning trainer, William Haggis, because it's not just about the defending champion a day, but it's about so much more. Where to start, William? Well, perhaps I suppose the, the newsiest line is that you, you, you could potentially run three in the British Champion Stakes with, with pre-dollar winner Dubai Honour joining um, Adabe and Alazi. Is that right? Yeah, that's the plan at the moment, Nick. But obviously we're still a bit of time away. So uh, uh, if they all get there in one piece uh, and the ground's not quick, then uh, I think Adabe... And I'll ask you, will be joined by Dubai on them. I mean, we we heard from Jerome Renier that, yeah, he wanted bottomless ground for Scaletti, which is why he took him out. It's not quite the same with a day, is it? Well, he goes on the better ground. He's just better on the softer ground because it slows the others down. So uh, he'll definitely run because he's in good shape and he's trained for this. So, and there's not a lot else, really. He is in the Premier Roma, but I, that's the last thing I want to do is go there. Okay, so no trip to Italy either which way. What about um, Alazi? He was put up by by Pricewise in the Racing Post at fifty to one for this race. After uh, he was slightly disappointing at, at Newbury last time, could you see where he was coming from? I, I, I didn't actually read it. Uh, I've always had tremendous faith in the horse, but uh, it seems that your uh, your colleagues and most of the uh, racing personalities have gone off him. Uh, I'd, I'd prefer to say that the horse has been um, asked to go too early in the race 
and uh, he needs to wait. He, I, I, I admit he may not be the strongest in the finish, so if that's the case, you should wait to the last minute, which is not what happened at Newbury. And um, I, I think Noel's got lots of time. He could easily run a, a much better race than anyone thinks. So in that respect, I suppose um, Tom Segal had a point. Well, certainly when he was a, a 50 to 1 shot, he was, a, he was an interesting bet, that's for sure. And I suppose the reason people are disappointed in him is because we built him up to be a potential star. So when they don't quite cut the mustard, the disappointment is exacerbated. Possibly. Um, um, but, uh, you know, I see him every day at home and I know he's talented and you know, he won two soft ground races against probably unfit horses in the spring. He, the, he ran well in the Coronation Cup. The race that disappointed me was at Newmarket. But I still think, you know, he went a bit earlier than I would have done if I'd been riding him. But that's not a criticism. It's just the way uh, things worked out. And I hope back of the mile of the quarter in a nice gallop, um, I hope that he'll be able to He'll be still on the bridle turning for home anyway. Yeah, that's for sure. And Dubai Honour, you you were really enthused by that victory in the in the pre-dollar when we spoke the day after on the on the Sunday show. Clearly, the horse has trained very well since. Yeah, well, he hasn't done a lot, but he you know he won the Guillaume Donano very well, and I thought possibly they'd gone too hard, and the race fell in his lap. But actually, the dollar they went slowly, and he came from last and he was much the strongest at the line. Now, he's got to jump forward, but again, there's nothing else for him in England. He's a possibility for Bahrain, Hong Kong, and Dubai later, but he's lightly raced. He's in great form. He looks terrific. He's obviously taking his racing well, and I scoped him this morning, and he was clean. So the owners um, were given the opportunity and said, if you'd like to go, we'll do it going to cost 75000 and they kindly say whatever you think so we're going to have a go anyway okay so that's uh, that's the champion stakes which you won last year uh, let's get to the the very serious business of the unbeaten Baid uh, what's his regime been like since the the pre de Moulin talk me through what he's been up to he's good he's fine Nick he's, he's worked every time I've asked him to he does exactly what uh, we want him to do you're very kind-natured, nice horse. Honestly, I don't know how good he is. Every time we've asked him a question, he's answered. So, you know, this is going to be much, much the biggest task and the best race he's faced. But I couldn't say that he, you know, I wouldn't know. I'm looking forward to running him. He looks well, seems very well, so we're hoping for the best. Um, you said after the the race that you'd had a bit of a bit of a scramble to to get him to the moonlight. It sounds like you've had a better prep into this. Yeah, no excuses this time. So you think that there, there's there's a bit more to there's a bit more to unlock. <laughs> I don't know about that, uh, but we didn't have a straightforward passage into France, and you know there'd be no excuses if he carries on the way he is at the moment. There'd be no excuses. One more bit of work and then we'll be away. Well, and I see you've got a couple in the in the stayers race, including Hamish, who beat Hookham on that return from a unbelievably long absence at uh, Kempton last time. Did it surprise you that he did that? 
not really, but I, I don't think Hookham was at his best. I, 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 I do have to say, I think um, I'm not sure he was at his best. So I think um, uh, Hamish will run well. He'll he won't want it too quick, uh, but I'm not sure it's going to be quick. I think it'll be dead putting it round. He'll be fine on that. He's got to get the trip, but he's very well and he's entitled to run. And we've sort of uh, prepared him. Uh, for this race since Kenton. William Haggis there, uh, one of a number of trainers who is set for a, a very productive British Champions Day potentially. Others include John and Thady Gosden, who could be saddling Stradivarius, it was announced this morning, as well as Mishriff and Palace Pier as they charge toward the, the Trainers' Championship. And Charlie Appleby, if ADAR does run. So that Trainers' Championship runs until December the 31st. The Jockeys' Championship, of course, ends on Champions Day. As I speak to you now, there are six between Asheen Murphy and William Buick. But that story over the weekend was clearly secondary to the one that dropped just after I uploaded the podcast on Friday, which was that Asheen Murphy failed a breath test at Newmarket, was stood down for the day, and then he will have to face the consequences at a hearing at a later date. But uh, Newmarket was awash with this story over the weekend. Uh, Dave, I'm miles away, but it's, it's percolated here as well pretty well. I mean, the news cycle moves so fast these days. Have all the drops been squeezed out of this, or is this likely to provide some sort of bubbling narrative all the way through until until Saturday? Yes, I'm not sure whether the final drops have uh, have have quite been squeezed out of that story. Um, there are unsubstantiated reports about what happened in Newmarket on Thursday night, and I'm. I don't think I'm going to go into any more detail uh, than that, really. Whether I, I know that those are in possession, I, I, I know that those are in possession of red top news desks. Uh, quite what they're going to do with it in the absence, I would think, of camera footage, I don't really know. As regards what will happen with Usheen Murphy, obviously he's got to uh, he's got to attend the the BHA on uh, the back of what happened on Friday. It, it's, you know, I, I said this on, on Luck on Sunday yesterday, Nick, I, I'm, not, I'm not close to Asheen Murphy. I don't think it's a good idea for the media to try and be close to racing practitioners as a general rule. If there are issues in his life that he needs to address, then I hope that he can address those. He's 26. As, as he, he said in an interview with Tom Stanley after winning the Cesarevich aboard Buzz on Saturday, that he's worked very hard to get into the position that he's in now. And it would be a terrible shame if that were to be thrown away. He does now have two alcohol, uh, two breathalyzer failures. And of course, there was the, the three month cocaine ban that ended in March. That was three months because of his. Uh, his contention of environmental contamination. And so looking from a fair way outside, it does make one wonder whether there are issues, there are issues that need to be addressed in his life. He's 26, he's got a lot to learn, but uh, he's also riding for one of the, the, the main powerhouse owners in Europe. One wonders to what extent their patience is being exhausted. Yeah, Dave, another observation from a relative distance over the weekend is that there seem to be more people genuinely interested in the result of a uh, an intermediate steeplechase at Newton Abbott than there were 
um, in the the result of the Group One Dewhurst Stakes on Saturday, which was won impressively by by Native Trail. Uh, am I imagining this, or do you perceive this to be the same? Yeah, I, I think that's that's probably about right. I think that you know people are probably just uh, people are probably geared up for the jump season. Brave Man's game was impressive in doing what he did, but. Yeah, it, it, you're you're right. It's it's a it's a strange thing. Uh, it, the 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 march towards Cheltenham. Well, we we know now that it starts in late September, early October, don't we? And so, I suppose I wasn't that surprised that there. It was it was a bit of a it was quite a quiet day uh, yesterday in terms of news. But as you say, Saturday was absolutely full of it. So. Um, it was perhaps a bit strange, but I think that's just an indication of people, the, the fact that lots of people are now ready for the jump. So, you know, you, you, I'm sure you, you've kept an eye on this. There's been an awful lot of coverage of, of Joe Tizard in the last few days and, and the hopes and expectations and fears that, uh, that he has for the coming season when he takes over the, uh, the licence from his father, Colin. So I suppose it's just, a, just a, the fact that we're all just putting our jump coats on, isn't it? I suppose it is, yeah, absolutely. And as far as the two Godolphin winners on Saturday were concerned, Caribus and, and Native Trail, do you have a, a preference for one or the other as the as the likeliest star of next year? Yeah, I, I, I was I was really taken by Caribus. Uh, I was taken by him in the Royal Lodge, of course, when uh, he idled and then uh, was beaten close home. But yeah, I mean, Native Trail will certainly thrive for an additional furlong, won't he? There's no question about that. He has that flat spot over seven and then he powers clear. But I, I, I'm, I'm seduced by the way that, that Caribus travels. Uh, will Buick, I thought, was anxious to hold on to him as long as he possibly could on Saturday in the autumn stakes, but there was a point when he had to say, right, well, now we've got to go. And, and when he did that, Caribus motored clear. So, yeah, I, I think that of the two, I think their prices are about five to two and five to one or three to one and five to one. I, I think I'd, I'd, I'd be happy to side with the, the autumn stakes winner. And funnily enough, that's a, a view that's shared by Charlie Appleby. He likes the way that Caribus travels. And uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting one next spring, won't it? Another, another decision for Will Buick to make. Well, here in Kentucky, it's no surprise that one of the stars of uh, Fall Stars Weekend was local trainer Kenny McPeak, who always has his horses primed to win the big grade ones here. He won the big uh, grade one on Saturday with Rattle and Roll and then took the grade two yesterday with, with Tiz the Bomb. They're two very exciting young horses, and Kenny joins me now. Uh, Kenny, a, a job well done. I know you love this, this, this meet. To what extent do you really get the horses primed for it? Well, I've been I've been uh, racing and training at Keeneland uh, for 35 years now, and um, yeah, I'm going to admit we definitely gear a lot of our our horses to Keeneland. Um, you know, I'm always looking to tr try to pick a race that really fits a horse, and we're probably a little more aggressive in the placement for the Keeneland meet. Um, and um, you know, Ben Ben Huffman, the racing secretary, has always got a lot of options, and so it tends to work out really well for us. I want to talk first about Rattle and Roll, who won the Claiborne Breeders' Futurity Grade 1 uh, the night before last. Uh, this is a horse who really won with serious emphasis. Did it make you think differently about him? 
You know, it's not really. Um, you know, anytime you get these young horses and you're testing them at, you know, what I call step laddering them up into another level, you're, you're going to get some questions answered. And sometimes you get a positive and a lot of times you get a negative. But he, um, you know, he's a big, strong galloping type horse and he's obviously got a lot of turn of foot. And um, you know, it was very, very impressive. Um, he's reminiscent of um, the good horse that some people may or may not remember. The horse that put me on the map was Tejano Run back in 1995. And, and Tejano Run won the 1994 Futurity at Keeneland in similar fashion. If you watch that race, it's actually carbon copy. Similar run, big chestnut horse. And um, you know, it's, exci- it's exciting period. Uh, 1994, does that make me old? <laughs> you're, as old as you, you, you're as old as you feel, Kenny, and you're still training a lot of grade one winners. So uh, I'd say you're doing okay. Uh, you, you were sort of a little bit, I thought you were a little bit ambivalent about, about Del Mar and the Breeders' Cup for him after the race. You'll go, won't you? Well, we'll see. Um, you know, I'm doing the math on everything now. We get, we've got to move some horses around, and, and uh, his base is Churchill Downs, and um, and the owners are from Churchill, from Louisville here. And um, I don't know. You know, um, sometimes those trips are more taxing than they're worth it, and sometimes they're well worth it. Um, you know, I've been very unlucky in the Breeders' Cup. I've you know had a lot of seconds and thirds, but I've never won one for for whatever reason. And um, I don't know. Um, We'll see. We'll see. It's uh, it's tough to pass it up, especially with the winning you're in, in and the noms and the travel and everything paid for. If the horse is doing well, I may lean that direction, but we'll let him tell us. You see, I, I, I'm too tactful to mention the OFA now because I, I realise we tortured John Sadler with it for years and, until he, he, he got it off his back. And, and so I, think, I said, I'm not going to talk about that with, with uh, Kenny McPeak all weekend. But seeing as though you brought it up, Tis the Bomb could be a horse to do it for you in the, in the juvenile turf for sure. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, you know, we, we always go with some good bullets. Um, but, yeah, for whatever reason, I mean, we've got a very respectable record in the race percentage-wise as far as hitting the board. I mean, my second, thirds, and fourths, you know, those are moral victories to some extent when you go out to the Breeders' Cup. And certainly, um, you know, you, you make a little cash flow when you run well. But, um, you know, look, um, you know, it is what it is, and we, we're going to continue to prepare the horses like we always have. We like I said, we've run well, and, and we're gonna. As long as you keep doing that, you're gonna eventually get yours. So, I'm not concerned about it. Don't put much uh, weight into it, to be honest. Uh, is is there anything in the fact that you might be peaking them for this weekend or this week or couple of weeks, and then maybe they're just like half a notch below when you go three or four weeks hence? No, I don't think so. Um, you know, typically there's four weeks in between this weekend and that, and then uh, we've had some horses that. You know, got beaten, some odd photos. I had a Philly stumble, and then she still ended up second. But if she doesn't stumble, she probably wins. I mean, I've had a lot of woulda, coulda, shouldas. And, um, you know, like I said, if, you, if you're running, and those are big fields typically. It's not like you're hooking six or seven horses when you're going over there. So if you, uh, if you can get a, a, a decent check, you've run well. And, um, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, I. Like I said, I don't put much much thought or energy into it. I try to worry about each horse, what's the right thing for that horse, and then we'll go from there. And so this Tis the Bomb yesterday broke through the gate. Uh, I think probably did enough to have been withdrawn if it had been a race in in the UK or or, or Ireland. And I thought, well, that's got no chance. And he's coming absolutely bolted up in the end. Uh, He must be pretty good. He is. He's a nice, sturdy horse. Um, You know, he... um, 
he's obviously got a good turn of foot in his mind. Real, really great mind on him. I mean, I think that was a bit of an aberration. We'll we'll do some gate schooling with him over that, but um, that's not not normal for him. I think he was just primed and ready. Now you mentioned bringing him to Europe next year. Was that tongue in cheek or are you serious? No, I'd love to bring him over. I think he's a horse that could handle it, all that. Um, you know, that's a, you know up to higher powers. But with a clear mind, I'd love to bring him over. I've you know uh, had ambitions to try to take a shot at the English Oaks, and we all know how that turned out. And um, he's uh, he's a horse that could handle that, and I think he's a horse that could handle the hills and the turns. And um, you know, it'd be a pretty exciting thing to pull off that. But um, you know, uh, like I said, we've got to work through some some bureaucracy and some details, and but um, you know, we'll worry about that later. Yeah, that's because he's a Phoenix thoroughbred owned horse, and they're not allowed to have runners in in the UK at the moment. So um, that's kind of out of your control, really, isn't it? Well, you know, look, Amir's been good to me. I don't, I don't, um, I don't know any of the details. I mean, I, I'm trying to keep my nose to the ground, and but he's been very honourable with me, and they pay me on time, and. I, I, for myself, from my perspective, I find find him good people. I don't know the background details, uh, and, and I'm going to leave that to others. But um, you know, he loves the game, and, and like I said, from what I've what I've dealt with, he's been very honorable and and uh, you know beyond decent. And who, who knows what the backstory is, and what, you know, I suppose that will be sorting itself out. And from what I understand, he's trying to sort all that out. And um, you know, it's. Uh, Unfortunate, but you know, maybe at some point the English officials or wherever else these jurisdictions he's racing will, um, you know, be able to accept uh, you know some answers. Kenny McPeak, there. Well, it's been a fast-evolving uh, news situation as as this podcast has gone on. But David Yates uh, has a tip for you for today. I do indeed, and it's true belief in the four fifty-five race at Great Yarmouth. This horse won this race twelve months ago and has slipped down the weights as a result of some defeats since. Now one pound higher than when successful in 2021, uh, sorry, in 2020. And True Belief also has a, a good record in uh, Horatio Nelson country as well. So 455 race at Great Yarmouth, selection number four, True Belief. Well, Dave, thanks so much. Thank you for listening. That was Monday, October the 11th. We'll see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.